2: This broadcast of Money Talks originally
3: aired Saturday, September 7th, 2019. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been...
2: Four
0: essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... In the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street... Too big to fail... Growing the economy... Growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going
1: on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome.
2: Yeah.
1: This is Money
2: Talk. Money Talk.
1: Good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest running, most respected money show on radio. I am your host this weekend, Nick Antonucci, joined today by Jarrett McKenzie and Logan Daniel from our planning department. Guys, appreciate you being here. We're yeah, yeah, be back. Yep. On another crazy week in the markets, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, at least it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, so. exactly. A good start I, d- to I don't
1: necessarily know why. Um, but I'll take it, up, yeah. up is good, green yeah, is good. Yeah. The, trade, the trade talks. Yeah, The continued trade talks, yeah. which we'll get into because this continues to blow my yeah. mind.
0: It's just amazing how many directions that thing day to day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, and
1: that the market still trades on. But anyways, you guys know we like to kick off the show with kind of a recap about what's been going on in the economy, in the stock market, you know, maybe cover some of the hot sectors, the hot economic releases for the week, so... Won't waste time, kind of get into there. As we said, it's been a good week for stocks, um, up 3.18%. We're within 2% of our all-time highs again, guys.
0: Wow. Is that close?
1: Yeah, 2%. And, you know, look back a week ago, look back to August, and it was the sky Mm -hmm. is falling. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing for me that I'm still not convinced of, the economic data has not been so good that I think it justifies – Getting back to those all-time highs, I mean, wasn't horrible this week. We've seen worse that in the past few weeks. Yeah. So, well, relative, it's more surprising
0: it's good. that we saw the inversion of the yield curve, and, and while it's not inverted at the time of this recording, yeah, it's, two bits, it's still been a good start to September, and, and has been ticking upwards even when we've had that. Which you know, the first day, first day that that happened, what a couple of weeks back, yeah, it was a huge concern. Which I mean, it's still a concern, but there's not a lot of other data that is going along with that that, that would also. Kind of lead us to some additional concerns that maybe we've had in the past when we see a recession indicator like that just (laughs) flashing red. Yeah, Yeah. the
1: employment picture still looks strong. We'll get our latest uh, jobs report for August tomorrow. We're recording this Thursday, so Friday, what is that, the 6th, September the 6th? Yep, that's it. And uh, that, that should be pretty telling, especially because you look ahead two weeks from now, we have a Fed meeting. And you know, if you were to look at the, the Fed's dual mandate, it's you know, manage inflation and keep jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the employment situation, and the employment situation still hasn't really weakened um, at all. Mm-hmm. So ahead of a Fed meeting, it'd be interesting to see: Do you have a blowout number? Do you have a, the ADP number came out today is pretty decent. Um, do you have a, a miss, which you know further makes the Fed look dovish? If you have yeah. too high of a number. Does that mean that the the Fed takes a more hawkish stance ahead of of their FOMC meeting in two weeks? Um, Right now, the expectation is for a rate cut, 25 basis points, 90% likelihood of a 25 basis point rate cut, 10% likelihood of a 50 basis point rate cut. I don't think there's any chance that happens. But what I struggle with is have economic conditions weakened to the point where it justifies another cut? It was basically what they considered a – I don't know if you want to call it an insurance cut. Back in in August um, mm, or mm-hmm. July, whenever it was, um, but the, you're seeing a pickup in inflation. The jobs picture still looks bright. Manufacturing's weakened, but it's basically all I can put together. It's on on global growth concerns, which yeah. are still real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. And and the, and the trade war. You know, Logan, mm. you said continued trade talks. Right. It's it's yeah. funny. I'm going to try and get this posted to our social media. Um, but an article I read, a guy posted uh, recent headlines since January. And it's like every month you have world markets hit 2019 high amid trade war optimism. share surge on China factory rebound, trade optimism. Stock futures ride amid, rise amid fresh trade optimism. Stocks are on earnings, trade optimism. These are This is every <laughs> single month since January. We're now in September. And, and we'll, we'll no- probably have it's, another it's one. It's done nothing but... Mm -hmm. deteriorate the situation's done nothing but deteriorate so what i struggle with is making sense of markets rallying on any sort of trade-related headline at this point Mm -hmm. when we have no reason to expect that it's gotten any better or we're any closer to a deal today we find out and that's why the market's up so big today a one and a half percent at the time of this recording is that in october u.s and chinese trade officials will meet in the u.s and continue talks okay what reason does anybody have to move closer to yeah. a deal at this point? So if anything, from what I've seen. read, you have yeah. Chinese trade officials that are more pissed off than they were before because Donald Trump is imposing greater tariffs. It's mm-hmm. not helping the tensions.
0: Yeah it's, yeah, it's a good thing that they're moving in the right direction, but that's but not I, done anything to but the are they? I don't –
1: It's kind of the same, of the same are too, are every, it's, every it's, month. It's headline. It's <laughs> yeah. It's talk. Well, Show me something.
0: Getting together, you know, at least coming to the table again when it seems the past couple of months at least that they've been moving sort of away from that. But every time they meet, that's
1: what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. I'm not convinced that these talks are constructive at all because nothing positive has come of it at yeah. all. Yet we're almost back to all-time highs. Yeah, I mean, I agree.
0: Well, that's got a lot to do with the rest of the economic data like you were saying earlier. There's a lot of health in all these other areas that, you know, we would think or maybe have more concern about. Uh, the, the situation, if they were also suffering along with maybe this interest rate environment, but at the a, end of the a day,
1: second cut ahead of all, yeah. within two percent of all time the highs in the stock market. It's crazy. A second cut. So, I, like when things really do go to hell in a handbasket, deteriorate. What, then what? Mm-hmm. That's my concern. And also another twenty-five basis point cut. If you're trying to spur companies to start spending, deploy capital, it's money's already cheap. When yeah, you're at yeah. two mm-hmm. to two and a quarter percent, and you cut. To what one seventy five to two? Who cares? <laughs> Honestly, it's s- still cheap money. Yeah, who cares? What I mean, what difference does that really make?
3: Right. What do you think will happen if they don't don't cut? Oh,
1: <laughs> oh, it'll sell off hard. <laughs>
0: Would you say hell in a handbag?
3: That's, 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 it, that's so yeah, hard. that's priced. Uh, <laughs> a
1: cut is priced in. Yeah, that's if, what if it, the cut doesn't happen, we're selling off very very hard. But. Mm-hmm i i mean i think it. this fed officials have given there's been no language out of fed officials to indicate that there won't be a cut everything we've heard so far you know suggests that yeah it's it's going to happen and it's going to be 25 basis points but you know other things we got going on we said global slowdown that's still very real global growth Mm -hmm. slowdown it's the same way with the u.s i mean we're not operating in a vacuum you know every every, the issues with china affect us here um Mm -hmm. And you can see that in interest rates, you've had um, the 10-year bond fall from 2.02 when the Fed cut rates in July down to 1.46 percent, the yield on 10-year bond. Mm-hmm. And, and what, is, what do these market interest rates kind of signal it, its growth expectations? So mm-hmm. when your 10-year bonds yielding 1.46 percent, you've got a growth component there and an inflation component there. What does that say about real growth? It's, it's not good,' clear. It's not good. Not faring very well. Um, also news um, out of the UK. Brexit was kind of lawmakers dealt two blows to to Boris Johnson, prime minister. Um, he's pushing kind of for a, a no deal Brexit, a hard Brexit. And parliament basically has passed voted down his hopes of doing so right now, basically s- significantly reduces chances of a, a hard Brexit with no deal. So that's that's a positive for the global economy. So maybe you don't get that October No Deal Brexit. They remain in the EU. Um, still to be seen. Not really sure what's going to happen there. But um, we we're talking about you know domestic economic news, and we've had a number of indicators come out. Starting last Friday that we didn't cover, um, through today Thursday, we had personal income data come out, um, and nominal personal incomes increased 0.1 percent, following a revised 0.5 percent gain in June. Good news there. Uh, Real disposable income, which is key for consumer spending, obviously, uh, was up 0.1% in July. Uh, Consumer sentiment, not a big surprise here. Uh, The the flare-up in the trade war and the drop in the stock market that was experienced in August is weighing on consumer confidence. You saw the total index fall to 89.8 from 98.4 in July. That's a huge drop, right? Mm -hmm. Nine Mm -hmm. points, almost nine points. Um, The decline was led by the expectations component, which fell 10.6 points while the uh, current conditions index fell 5.4%. So the consumer is being affected. What will be interesting is next week we get some retail sales data. So, yeah, consumer attitudes are being affected here, but is that translating into tightening the purse strings, um, You know, cutting back on mm-hmm. the discretionary spending, which is obviously huge for the, the domestic economy. Um, ISM manufacturing index came out on Tuesday. It was the first time since the end of the energy route, the U S manufacturing sector is contracting. The index fell from 51.2 in July to 49.1 in August. So what's important about this reading is 50 is kind of the neutral threshold. If you're 50 or above, you're an expansionary territory for the manufacturing sector. Anything sub 50 is considered contractionary. And this is the lowest reading since January, January of 2016. Wow. So a big slowdown in manufacturing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mortgage applications on Wednesday, you saw mortgage activity drop 3.1%. Refinance index fell 7.7%. So uh, you saw the purchase index uh, rise 3.6%. So not a big shock there. I feel like if you haven't refinanced yet, I don't really know what's going to make you refinance
2: because the money (laughs) is cheap.
1: Yep, not going to get much
0: cheaper either, so you may as well
1: absolutely not um and then the fed came out on wednesday with their uh their beige book report basically covers the 12 uh fed districts macro look at hey what's what's going on in the 12 across the fed 12 the fed's 12 districts overall you saw uh, modest growth in in nearly every district so nothing too concerning there so as you said jared the data has been pretty decent this week whether you know that continues in the week ahead with several uh Several big releases due out um, is to reefs. be seen yeah. you know yeah. volatility will likely continue and you know there's a few more things came up in the in the previous week but um, we'll take a quick break uh, pay some bills and, and when we come back we'll cover what else happened uh, over the course of the previous week If listen to money talks we'll be right back. <laughs> This is the dog. The Dog of the Week. Everyone's favorite part of the show, the Dog of the Week. And we have a breaking news Dog of the Week at the time of this recording. I love breaking news. And it's news. so appropriate since football season kicks off tonight. Yeah. Antonio Brown, the saga continues. <laughs> yes, it does.
0: He loves
3: the
1: attention. Am I the only one? Just don't play. Just mm-hmm. don't play. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't see what he stands to gain with all of the complaining and, you know, just where he's taking this whole thing with his helmet and all, all the, the shenanigans. And now he got place. fined
1: for missing two practices yeah. mm-hmm. and then went off on Mike Mayock. He, first, he posted the, the fine letter that he was issued to social media mm-hmm. and got in a confrontation with the general manager, Mike Mayock. So now he's being suspended. And from what I've read, the Raiders have an out to his contract now because he was suspended prior to the first game, which he could lose all, I think, $25 million in guaranteed money. Wow. And uh, be out to find yeah. an, another team. And it, at, at some point it's going to get to where you're so damaged and as a player that no one wants to deal with you. Yeah. If there's yeah. such uncertainty as to your behavior and whether or not you're going to play that it's Well, is it, it worth interferes with team chemistry, too. Absolutely You can't, you can't
0: expect does. to win when there's distractions like that, so... Yeah, it's amazing. The saga continues. continues.
1: (laughs) I got to throw one more out there because this was my initial dog prior to Antonio Brown. Now the hot thing right now is um, plant-based meat, as we're calling it, which I bothers me because it's not meat. It's not plant-based meat like Beyond Burgers, Beyond like their sausages, Mm -hmm. Beyond Chicken, Beyond Chicken, and now Tyson Foods invests in plant-based shrimp company. Like, do we have to call it plant-based shrimp? Because is it shrimp? (laughs) Just because you shape something like yeah. a shrimp doesn't make it shrimp. It's it's. I was telling these guys, it's like, yeah, I ate some dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets, so I'm calling it chicken-based dinosaur. <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just...
3: You know, the new fad. You just got to market to that. It is the new
1: fad. Those people. On a related so. note, Kroger's coming out with their own plant-based
0: meat. Is that
1: right? Yeah, which we like.
0: Not plant-based meat, but
1: well, the fact but that it's Plant-based product. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah we don't we don't like plant-based meat <laughs> maybe you do i don't know yeah but yeah. we like that a company we invest in is entering absolutely entering the field. Yeah, you they gotta build. you gotta be in it yeah. I mean, that's what people want so. yeah absolutely um all right guys so a couple more things to touch on uh b- before we move into our uh, client situation of the week um jobless claims were released uh, on thursday um inched up one thousand, kind of meaningless the four-week moving average uh Declined, and continuing claims dropped by 39,000. Good news there, again, with the employment situation. And the last thing I want to touch on is the U.S. non-manufacturing sector. Um, we had the ISM non-manufacturing, also known as the Services Index, uh, come out on Thursday, and it increased from 53.7 in July to 56.4 in August. So great news there, right? Yeah. But what's interesting, and you see this when you have you know, several sources that measure the same the same kind of indicator – we also have a company called Market IHS that comes out with their own PMI surveys, things like that, and they came out with their services index and it's like fifty point seven. So I'm like struggling to really understand how one source has a reading of fifty six point four and the other's fifty point seven, kind of on the verge of contraction there. Yeah, so some mixed signals. It's a pretty big deviation. If you yeah. go if you go with ISM, services sector still looks strong. Yeah. Which is the majority of the u.s. economy you know manufacturing is obviously not not that huge a component but um yeah so
0: ism has always been more there. commonly followed right i mean is that sort of the standard um, or the benchmark i don't or
1: know that one's any more followed than the other we look at them both but what we subscribe to covers ism more widely which is a movie yeah. service that we that we use mm-hmm. um so it's it's hard to say but kind of conflicting messages there
0: yeah that's interesting
1: yep well, guys, um, switch gears here a little bit, and uh, like I said, get into the client situation of the week. Um, so i kind of give you some, some details here. Nate has access to a 401k at work, but he can't save more than $6,000 during the year. He's considering making traditional deductible IRA contributions instead. He feels he'll have more flexibility with the IRA, and he also has a previous 401k that he wants to move from his former employer either to an IRA or his new 401k. So kind of the question you guys will start at and also get back to the basics because I think, especially for for people my age who who aren't saving, don't have children, aren't saving for education, things like that, one of the biggest questions they ask me is, you know, should I be saving to an IRA, 401K, um, that sort of thing. So we can even go back to the basics uh, while we answer this. But if he doesn't participate in his work 401K, is he still subject to income limits on a deductible IRA contribution? If he makes an IRA contribution, can he reverse it during the year? before tax return is due. So if you guys kind of want to take us through through the basics and these details of, you know, an IRA and a 401K. Sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, depending, even if he does participate in a 401K, depending on his income, he could still do an IRA. Um, that depends on if he's married, spouse is a participant and, and whatnot. But he could do both. Um, but if he doesn't participate, he can for sure do a non-deductible, I mean, do a deductible IRA
1: regardless. Does it make sense right. to max out one prior to the other? Is it personal personal preference? I, I know one thing, Jarrett, that you've kind of harkened back to in the past with your experiences with clients is diversifying the types of accounts you're invested in, sure. retirement mm-hmm. accounts, because it gives you flexibility in retirement for, from where you want to withdraw first.
0: Right. And and while that is certainly very important because it can have a, a big impact come retirement, In the case of the 401 and the The IRA, IRA. they're both tax-deferred. And so it really comes down to, okay, well, what what am I going to get more benefit out of? What is going to allow me to save more? And, you know, as far as benefit goes, I I always tell people, look, if if you – if you can save to either one of those, I would start with the 401k, particularly if you get a match, because that's free money. You never want to give that up. And If you're looking to put money into a tax-deferred account and you're going to get a match through your employer, then the 401k, all day long.
1: And always match up to where, uh, contribute up to where your company yeah, is. Yeah. At, at least at to least that, that point.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, look, at, at that point it becomes, okay, well, where's the better place to save? and And to Nate's point here you know, he 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 thinks he might have some more flexibility with the IRA. Yeah, that's true. In fact, he'd probably have a lot more because with the 401s, he's going to be limited to the options or the investment lineup within the plan, whereas with IRAs, you're going to be a lot more open to the different types of asset classes and just general investments that you would be able to buy. And so for that reason, you know, once you've put in enough to get your match, maybe then it does make sense if you want that flexibility to then move to the IRA, whereas if you remain uh, investing in the 401K and are subjected to those options, well, most plans now have the option for a target date fund that would be a default option so right. that you know it invests you without you having to constantly monitor the investments and, and rebalance and things like that. And you know, I would say if it's something that you're not interested in and you don't want to keep an eye on it, then the 401k is probably a better place because that is going to have those kinds of options where, you know, with, with IRAs, it, it may be available, but it's not going to be as easy to kind of set up and, and keep on a uh, just a, a recurring basis.
3: Sure. I think that's uh Yeah, and with something... the 401ks, I mean, it's payroll deduction. I mean, you don't have to worry about yeah. you sending the money to your IRA each month or each quarter.
1: It's kind of all done automatically. Yeah, because yeah, we, we all know we how invest. that goes. When you yeah. when you leave it to yourself to make those contributions, <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. It's it doesn't come out of your check right away. <laughs> Somehow yeah. that money ends up getting spent. Yeah. It's
0: harder the, to contribute when you have to watch it go through your checking account first. That's for sure. Something
1: true. you touch on, Jared, I think isn't something we often cover on here as it pertains to retirement accounts. Um, and, and one of the benefits of the IRA is you open an IRA at Charles Schwab, wherever it may be, and you have unlimited access to whatever you want to invest in, right? Yeah, for the but, most part. But a lot of people don't realize in many 401k plans, and it's not in everyone, um, oftentimes there's something called like a brokerage link. So mm-hmm. you can open that outside account and purchase securities that aren't in your company's uh, retirement plan lineup, Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. which in, in in most cases for the, the average investor, there are sufficient options in your plan that are good enough to get you the allocation you want, or maybe you do want to put in a set it forget it kind of uh, target date fund. Mm-hmm. But for those of you who are a little more active or want better options or you have a financial advisor who can advise you in these things setting up that brokerage link is is a pretty good idea in my opinion because it it doesn't confine you to what in some cases is a very small selection yeah. of investments mm-hmm. yeah. it, it
0: allows for self-directed investments that you know you 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 get to choose yeah. or or your advisor helps you choose rather than just being you know picking from that fund lineup within the 401 so you know not only that though the the IRA is going to going to have a much smaller limitation on the contributions than the 401k you know you can you can certainly add money to the iras but only to an extent so let's say he put six thousand in his his 401 to get his match right and then let's say he got you know some other monies that were unexpected throughout the year and he decided hey i'm going to put those in the ira well if he comes into even other monies before the year's up He can't put any more in the IRA. He's going to have to then go back now and contribute more to the 401K if he can, and maybe that's through, you know, he adjusts some withholdings on his paycheck so that he can get more through there because now he's got more outside. But he's going to have a lot higher limit uh, on the 401K than what he would have on the IRA, and that's just going to allow you to save more if you have the ability to do that. So, What,
1: uh, What are the limits on those two? So, for Dude, the 401 k is yeah you got if you're
3: it. under fifty nineteen thousand mm-hmm. and then you get a if you're over fifty, you get a sixty six thousand dollar catch up so twenty five yep. total okay with the i r a it's sixty five hundred if you're under fifty
0: uh and six thousand for twenty nineteen yeah six
3: thousand twenty nineteen and you get a thousand dollar catch up if you're over, over fifty okay, yep. and those are indexed every year, sometimes they say the same, sometimes they'll go up. Yeah, they've been doing a
0: lot surprisingly. Yeah, though. so as of late, it's going up. So it's a definitely a
3: big difference of how much you can put in the four hundred
1: one k versus an IRA. So yep, absolutely. Awesome, guys. Uh, anything else coming out of there? Does that pretty much cover the the cut and dry basics of it?
0: Yeah, that, yeah, that I think that, so. I mean, the, the basics for sure. Bottom that's line: the, contribute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> regardless,
1: <laughs> you say, save somewhere. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll dive into some listener questions. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Talks. I am your host, Nick Antonucci, joined today with Jared McKenzie and Logan Daniel. Guys, um, good part of the show, answer some listener questions here in a bit. But before we do that, um, you know, we're talking off air, and I think it's uh, something kind of goes back to the IRA, 401K discussion, is is borrowing against that account. Um, generally speaking, we advise against doing that. Um, but there are certain circumstances where maybe you want to withdraw money early. Um,
0: and just access in general.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. So kind of the rules around that, I know something that, that's on my mind is, Borrowing for a home, Um, I know first time home buyers have the ability to do that. Otherwise, is it Mm -hmm. that you have to take a loan? You're not actually.
0: Yeah, well, there's an exception if you are a first time home buyer that you can make that distribution without penalty. So you're not – effectively, it's not a loan. In fact, you can't take a loan from an IRA. However, you could take a loan from a 401K, and there's limitations on those types of loans. I think if it hasn't been indexed, it's up to about $50,000, uh, which you'd be maxed out at, or maybe it's 50% of the – I'm not it's, it's sure.
3: The greater – it's the lesser of – it's 50000 or 50%. Yeah. I'll be counting, okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's why it's confusing. Yeah. They're running together. But in any event, you, you can take a loan from the plan – And then pay it back over time, whereas with an IRA, you either meet one of the few exceptions that exist for early withdrawals that are exempt from penalty, or you don't. Uh, And as you said, Nick, we generally are going to recommend against that because anytime you have to access retirement accounts early, you know there's there's hopefully a more uh, optimal solution, but it does sometimes come to that. And in fact, you know when you're talking about a home purchase. That's a big enough purchase that a lot of people—they're not just going to have a down payment for a home, especially a good down payment. That's you know ten, fifteen, twenty percent, perhaps. Right. That's just laying around in a savings account, and so that is something that we get questions on from time to time on whether or not you know those are accounts that can help people bridge uh, themselves between you know circumstances in their lives, and uh, it's a big distinction between the two. In fact, again, the IRA you can you can uh, not take a loan from the 401k. You can. Uh, but then, you know, the yeah, IRA,
3: with the IRA you can take up to $10,000 for mm-hmm. a first time home purchase to avoid that penalty, 10%. Sure. Now, so that's your biggest
1: what distinction. It, what is the payback rules on that? It, it is, what is, the, is there a defined set of time you have to, to put that money back in there? Do you guys know? I, I, I don't know if it's 10 years, if it varies on the plan. Um, and then I know, obviously, you have to pay yourself back with interest, I believe. Um, so I guess that's probably a product of what, what market rates are at that time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I it assume it may be maybe a, plan specific.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, I think it determines, for some reason, five years is coming to mind. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Pay yourself back in five years okay. with interest. Mm-hmm. Um, Caveat to that is let's say you get fired or you leave that job and you hadn't paid it back yet, it counts as income. Mm-hmm. So there could oh, be, wow. yeah, you got to take that into yeah, consideration.
0: Careful um, with that piece.
1: Yeah, don't uh, don't screw up at work after you, if you take after a you loan. take a loan. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there's before definitely an interest, tax just
0: like any other loan. There's going to be some interest uh, on that one if you if you choose to go that route.
1: Sure. Well, you know, as we kind of shift gears into um, answering listener questions, I think this conversation is a perfect lead-in for one. Before we get into that, though, if you have your own questions you want us to answer on the air, um, you know, please feel free to call our question hotline at one eight five five four two nine. Nine one six six, Or if you'd prefer, you can email them to us, um, email us at com and hopefully we'll get you your question answered on the air next week. Um, but Matthew from Kennesaw Guys, he wrote in, he's asking, I've been planning to retire around 50 for a while now. In my early career, I put a lot of money into my 401k, so I have a, a pretty big balance. I have been saving to Roth and a brokerage since I decided to retire early. Is there any way I can get money out of my 401k before 59 and a half? I mean, basically just answer Um, that. You can get it out.
3: That's kind of, I mean, this is one advantage of of 401K if you retire early. You can take it out starting at age 55 without that 10% penalty. Sure. Of course, it's still ordinary income, but that's one thing to consider if you retire early is if you're going to roll those assets out to an IRA, you kind of lose that age 55 withdrawal. Sure. Uh, Separation. Yeah, separation.
1: Yep. So at at at, uh, at fifty nine and a half, he he would be able to do that. But any sooner, you're looking at that ten percent penalty.
3: With an IRA, with an IRA, with a four now. with four one k, you can do it at fifty five. Okay, if you quit retired or. Or got fired.
0: Yeah, that's just if you're taking money out now, because obviously if you chose to retire before 55, then you would roll it to an IRA, keep it in the tax-deferred account.
3: Gotcha. As long as
0: no distributions are taken, there's not going to be any mm-hmm. penalties or tax implications, but uh, it is something to consider. And, and while there's you know other episodes and segments that we've done on this show about this, it's important if you do ever try and take that route that uh, you don't do so if you are heavily invested in company stock, because we do come across some clients from time to time that want to do that and lose their ability to potentially Uh, Take advantage of the net unrealized depreciation. They call it NUA. Okay. Uh, That would would be a huge benefit potentially uh, to still have that if if you're in a situation where you're looking at retiring and and rolling out your 401k or taking advantage of that. So just something to be mindful of, again, if you're heavily invested in company stock, uh, just to keep in mind um, within your 401k. All
1: right. This next question, I know, Jared, this is one you love. Is it from? It's one of your favorite stocks. No, this is oh, Vince from Greenville, Vince South Carolina. Over here. <laughs> I used to listen when I was in Atlanta. I'd try to catch a podcast when I can on iTunes. Want to know if you'd approve a purchase of British American tobacco. Analysts say it's undervalued, low beta, low price to earnings, good dividend. Um, I'm not sure if you were reading something we wrote, but we, we tend to agree with you. British American tobacco is actually a, a name we're super favorable on. Um, and as you know, it's a cigarette manufacturer. These brands include Pall Mall, Newport. Camel, and then within the vapor category, you have Vipe and Vice. Glow in the heated tobacco category, which is you know kind of the, the hot new niche market, um, com- competes with Icos from um, Philip Morris Altria, right. Um and Kodiak and Grizzly in the traditional oral tobacco product category. Um, as I said, we agree with the analysts on this one. British American had a solid first half the year, and despite volume declines, what you know a lot of people focus on the fact that there's big declines in, in, um, in cigarette smoking um, in the U.S. But we have so much – these companies have so much pricing power that they've been able to more than offset the declines in volumes. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that gets ignored. So you're still seeing sales growing despite a decline um, in volumes. And there's a lot more room for that. If you look mm-hmm. at cigarette pricing in the U.S. compared to international markets, I mean you could continue to raise prices probably 5% for the foreseeable future um, annually and, still, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. still more than offset the, those volumes declines. And that's before you even consider – growth in these new markets, if you will, yeah. uh, the vaping, uh, the heated tobacco, those sorts of things. Um, they're forecasted to grow earnings 7% annually in the next three to five years, and this stock trades at nine and a half times earnings. In this market, that <laughs> is so incredibly difficult to find. Yeah, And as is the case with most of most tobacco companies and why we own them is the dividend yields. Mm-hmm. This stock mm-hmm. yields almost 8%, and we always caution people, if you see a dividend yield that's too good to be true... You know, be, be weary of it. In this case, it's well covered. It's more than one and a half times covered. Yeah. We checked out check out that in all of our, our you know, dividend purchased yeah, uh, stocks. Holidays. Yeah, purchased for, for their dividends. And this is held in our equity income portfolio. So you get that 8% dividend that's safe. It's hard to not find these shares attractive.
0: Well, the thing is I've been telling people, and not just with, with British American, but some of these other more equity income related positions, Very rarely are you you able to find a company that is going to give you growth potential and pay a dividend like what they pay. As you said, it's got an 8% yield roughly. And and so usually you're giving up one of those for the other, whereas in this case, not only do you have – uh, a, a company that's going to give you a lot of potential growth. I mean, this thing didn't trade below $50 for the previous five years, and then middle of last year it dropped down. It's at $35 Tobacco got right beaten now. up
1: as a whole, and yeah. we saw that as a huge opportunity. I mean,
0: right. mm-hmm. across
1: yeah. our portfolios, we own Altria, we own Philip Morris, mm-hmm. uh, we own British American.
0: Well, think about it. That's the beauty of it, too. You've got, you got growth potential. You've got all that income. You've also got now defensiveness, which at this point looks really good because of where the markets are and what we might be facing in terms of the economic environment. So you got all those things plus the potential excess growth that they would stand to see if there is cannabis legalization across the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, and I'm not just talking about British American, even though it certainly applies to them, across the board to have the defensiveness that tobacco gives you to have the income that most of them give you, to have the growth potential that they now have and and are as attractive as as British American is, yes, we would certainly approve a purchase uh, of that one, Vince.
1: Yeah, and and like I said, while volumes are down, everyone's not just quitting smoking. They're shifting in some form or fashion, Mm -hmm. sure, but Tobacco Atlas published a study that showed more than 60% of smokers intend to quit and 42% of those have attempted to quit in the last 12 months. Yet in most markets the smoking rate is only a very modest decline indicating that most smokers who are attempting to quit aren't successful. It's an it's an unfortunate statistic. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is it's very difficult to quit. So
0: And do you think they're going to do that? British if the Americans economy not economy starts to, to suffer. To, it, no, will probably, it will yeah, probably pick up. Yep. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's kind of re- recession-proof. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, buy it. We like it. If you already <laughs> own it, hold it, um, and, and you know, collect those dividend payments. It's something we'll continue to monitor. Don't set it and forget it. it shouldn't should be the case with any investment you make. Oh,
0: especially mm-hmm. with a potential merger between Philip Morris and Altria. That's something yeah, to watch. Yeah, that's, How that's it's going to affect you know this kind of company.
1: Yeah, and uh, that still doesn't change our story here in terms of it's – It's attractively valued. I don't know how the stock gets gets a heck of a lot cheaper than it does right now. But dividends as a whole, investing in dividend-paying stocks right now, super attractive with yields as low as they are. Don't be surprised if these guys uh, continue to get to get bid up uh, in in the in the near term. Uh, We'll take a quick break, guys. Pay some bills. Uh, You listen to Money Talks. We'll be right back.
0: When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the internet. When you go to the internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks.
3: This is Money
1: Talks. I think that's based on an actual real-life scenario. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, we definitely didn't make that up. There's a good chance. <laughs> but don't let it happen to you. Got to keep an eye on those things, yeah. That's right. All right, guys. So if you turn on Finance News and our, you know, constantly, I'm sure you're hearing it from clients, both of you guys, calling up about, you know, the next hot new IPO. Oh, how do I buy Uber? How do I buy Lyft? Whatever it may be. And it's usually our answer, you don't. Like just, you know, be <laughs> yeah. patient. Yep. Yeah, yet, exactly. I mean, you guys remember what happened with Facebook. Mm-hmm. thing tanked on its IPO. Obviously, now, if you'd bought it off that dip, or even at the IPO, you've done well. But you would have lost probably like 47%, I think, something like that, um, from the IPO price to the lows. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that you keep hearing about is WeWork. And if you live in near any city and you've driven through, you've likely seen a WeWork building. I mean, I know in Atlanta, I can probably name three, four, if you consider their competitors – Oh, yeah. Probably 10 Mm -hmm. of these, you know, co-working spaces. Um, But be very careful when you're buying into these IPOs. We took a look at just four of them. Uh, Slack has been in the news uh, today because they had their first ever earnings report as a public company. Stocks down like 10%, 12%. Um, So we wanted to look at how some of these have done since their IPO. So we chose Uber, Lyft, Slack, and Chewy. Um, Uber, IPO May 9th, down 27%. Lyft. Uh, IPO'd March 28th, down 35%. Slack ipo June 19th, it's up 17%. Chewy debuted June 13th, up 53%. So it's really a mixed bag, and you kind of got a 50-50 shot if you're right or wrong, if you're not doing the analysis to figure it out. WeWork is one we certainly wouldn't recommend, <coughs> Excuse me, recommend investing in. If you look at their most recent round of private funding, it valued the company $47 billion. And now they're looking to go public with a valuation of $25 billion. Uh Red flag. <laughs> you think? <laughs> the company has more than $900 uh, million in losses on revenue of $1.5 billion. Not to mention within this company, there's so much shady stuff going on that I, I would never recommend someone buy. CEO Adam Newman may be the smartest CEO of the decade. Um Newman is WeWork's largest landlord. He charges his own company for rent. He offers loans to it uh, the company offers loans to its own CEO for an interest rate below one percent. So the guy's borrowing from the company at less than one percent, and he's repaid them all. Um, and he's sold the Wee brand to the company for five point nine million dollars. Like, is that not conflict of interest somewhere in there? Like some sort of self dealing? Yeah, you'd think.
3: You'd think so. But...
1: And I mean really in the IPOs, the people who make the money, as we were talking about, Jared. Are the underwriters, you know, yeah. if, if Morgan Stanley underwrites the deal and gets, you know, allotment of I don't know, you name how many shares, they're using that to their benefit. It's going to go to their clients, yeah. And well, as, know, a, as as a, a broker dealer, they're exactly. going to sell those shares to their clients at the rip mm-hmm. and just cash out. So yeah. be wary of IPOs. It's something we've preached for a long time. You know, if you're a client of ours and you've ever asked about it, you've likely gotten it. We like to see a proven track record. That's Most of these companies don't have earnings. Yep. The balance sheet's not strong. We like to – you know how we invest.
0: If, if you're truly buying stock based on what you – I mean, fundamental analysis, right, what you think it's worth, how in the world can you know that when they've just become public, just opened their books to you, and
1: there's all this hype of – it's going to get driven up in price. There's so much risk. One misstep yeah. – one misstep, and the stock's down 25%, mm-hmm. 30%. If, you know. it's
0: a, if it's a good company that's going to be around long-term, there will still be plenty of opportunity to buy. There's no reason to take on that risk.
1: Yeah. I bet you, mm-hmm. if you look at Amazon, we were you know against Amazon for the longest time. Um, yeah, they weren't profitable. <laughs> it's kind of a, they weren't profitable. a critical but measure. But if you look, at once they turned profitable, mm-hmm. I bet you the stock's up 100%. So there's mm-hmm. still time once a company turns. Once they turn profitable, you haven't missed the boat.
0: Oh, right. Exactly.
1: You know, if it it truly is a good company, it's going to continue to grow into the future. Yeah. Um, Just give it time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Be patient. And, 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 you know, talking about high quality, a company we owned for years and years and we sold, you know, a few years ago, we got a client, uh, or I'm sorry, a listener writing in about shares of GE, Sebastian from Douglasville. I'm still hanging on to my GE stock. Maybe I'm just too sentimental, but I just don't see GE going away. Maybe not doing the best. But not going away. But now they've been accused of fraud by the guy who busted uh, Madoff. What's your take on this? So I'm not going to sit here and and tell you I dug into the GE's financials when this report came out, and uh, I'm a forensic accounting expert and could spot something like this because I'm certainly not. But you did have some analysts come out, um, one from Deutsche Bank, one from Wolf Research, and basically squelch the the fact that you know it's a big. They're committing fraud. They're cooking the books. Um so I don't have so much of a concern on that my my concern is how long of a turnaround story GE is mm-hmm. They've got they've got a new CE, CEO in there Larry Culp um, and I like his strategy his strategy is to go back to the industrial conglomerate that GE traditionally was It's mm-hmm. shedding those non-core assets and focusing on GE the right. industrial that it is so um, he's selling PK uh, Air France assets. He's um, selling GE BioPharma, and the goal here is to reduce debt and simplify the business. What do we want to see? We want to see a stronger balance sheet, for sure, because the balance sheet is concerning right now. But if you're taking the right steps to right the ship, just be prepared, William. Uh, I'm sorry, Larry, that you need to you need to be able to hold on this for a number of years, because mm-hmm. this isn't a, a company as big as GE is you don't turn this around in a year. You don't turn this around in two years.
0: Right. It's not exactly a small ship.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. The 10-year plan here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And, and look, is not going anywhere. I'm sure that while the financials do look uh, a bit scary at the moment, perhaps, it's, it's not because uh, they're in some dire straits. It's more because when you are trying to turn a ship around of that size, that's to be expected. But they've been around too long. They're too big. They're involved in too much. Uh, they're not going anywhere. They may become more, uh, let's see, focused, as you're you saying, as they kind of downsize and sell off some of these businesses. But uh, to your point, Nick, that's going to take quite a while, and I just don't think that it's something worth waiting on when you do have some. There are better companies.
1: opportunities yeah. in the market. And it goes back to what we said about the IPOs, right? When, when we do see a true path, like they're executing on this plan, mm-hmm. it's not too late to yeah. get in. It's Bu- not going to just and rise and then stop rising. If they're truly... Writing the ship, and, and the thesis holds here. Um, you know, the highlight of the report by uh, by Harry Markopoulos was the long term care uh, reserves, and the long term care business is absolutely troubled. But that's that's known throughout Wall Street. Mm-hmm. It's not some you know something that's coming out of out of the dark. It's like oh surprise, yeah. everyone knows. If you're buying GE shares, you should be pretty aware of that. So you know this this report doesn't sway us one way or another are we buying the shares right now no they don't meet our criteria right now because the balance sheet um but you know if it's something you want to continue to hold go for it i think there's better places to put your money right now
0: um, well, and Sebastian, if you own it in a taxable account, I mean, it's, if it's harvest a loss, losses? Yeah, take yeah. Your losses. I mean, you could you could use that to your advantage from a tax perspective and then take the proceeds and invest it in something that maybe does have more potential, but it's still, you're not taking that and putting it in, say, a Netflix or a, a, even anything tech, really, at this point, but, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the, the Procter & Gamble's of the world, and, and that one's a bit pricey even at the moment, but there are still plenty of other options that I think would be a better place in the meantime while this ship does kind of... Get turned around and back on the right track. Uh, the, the money would be better served, uh, you know, being held in.
1: Yeah, I mean, holding an industrial like that. If things do, you know, we're typically bullish on the stock market. That we do have some concerns right now, and then we are very late in an economic cycle. What sectors are going to stand to be penalized the most? Is the cyclical cycles, mm-hmm. industrials being one of them. Um, so, you know, I, I do think GE faces an uphill battle.
0: Yeah, most certainly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there.
1: All right, guys. Uh, how about a little planning question here? Carol from Snellville, what happens if I overfund my IRA? I made a contribution in March 2019 and intended it for 2018. It was not a full contribution. Now I'm making my 2019 contributions, and I'm getting warnings that I'm over the contribution limit. Simple answer. That's fill what out, we want.
0: Fill out an excess contribution form, and then just back it out. Now, you have to back out not only the excess, but any growth that you may have seen on that excess Uh, But, you know, for for our clients, typically if that ever happens, which is not a common thing, uh, I would say the easiest way we we typically address it is just help them fill out that excess contribution form and just back it out because there's not a whole lot of option really when it comes to that. I mean, if you've over-contributed, you've over-contributed, and it's just a matter of making it right. Uh, Typically there's not not any kind of penalty other than just making sure that you also back out the growth. You can't excess contribute and then get a bunch of growth on that as tax deferred and then leave that in there while the, you then back out your, your excess contribution. You gotta take uh the growth back out as well. But yeah. you know, just it's a get, form.
3: Just get
1: it out before end of the year. Yeah.
0: So yeah, actually yeah, that's a good point. There's there's timelines for these things.
1: So no um, penalty, uh, just make sure you fill out the form, and get it taken care of yeah. sooner or now of later. Now if you waited
3: past December and there could be a penalty. Six percent I think.
0: Yeah, if you file um, a tax return after doing it, that that that, that could be a different situation. Yeah, but so. yeah.
1: All right, guys. Well, catch it early. That about wraps up the show for us. Before we go, though, up or down next week, a lot of data.
0: Got to be up from this morning. Going up. Man, I'll agree with
1: you. We're going higher. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week.
2: All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.